Hi, this is Vanessa Marshall. I play Harrison Dula on Star Wars Rebels, and you're listening to Star Wars Bookworms. Enjoy. Even men like Talon Card occasionally make mistakes. This is the Chimera. Launch the attack. Time to go to work. You won't let me get killed, will you? Is that what I was supposed to be doing here? I should have brought my lightsaber. So, Aaron, do you like spiders? Do I like spiders? Yeah. I don't know. I like Spider-Man. I don't mind spiders that much, but, like, the bigger they are, the more freaky they are, I guess. Okay, so I have a question for you. Okay. You you like Harry Potter, yes? Yep. Okay, you like Lord of the Rings? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I think Star Wars felt like it was missing its giant spider. Yeah. <laughs> because Harry Potter has Aragog and Lord of the Rings has Shilbob or whatever its name is. And <laughs> <Shilob>. then. <laughs> I don't know what its name Shilob? is. Shilob? Is it Shilob? Shilbob. I'm going to call it Shilbob. <laughs> that's, um... <laughs> that's Shilob's cousin, Shilbob. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he probably has them. Um,. Or she, or whatever. And then now, thanks to the Mandalorian, we have giant, gross spiders. I mean, I think they were in Rebels too, but either way, freaking gross. Yeah, the situation I, that they yeah, were in. I don't. I mm. in the cave and stuff, like with the spiders in the cave. It just reminded me of those other things that you said. Ah, oh, and then the spider webs inside the Razor Crest. Oh my gosh. Okay. All right, so clearly we're talking about The Mandalorian, you guys. We're talking about episodes one and two just a little bit before we get into our review today. So, spoiler alert here. Uh, okay, well, let's back up. I want to talk about episode one with you because we really haven't had a chance to talk about it. I know we both, we saw it. I saw it the morning, like that morning that it came out. So, did you see it? that morning or did you watch it later i watched it the first day it was out i forget exactly when it was probably closer to lunchtime i took like a lunch break while while i was working so okay initial initial thoughts for you on that um it was i mean it had a lot of cool elements that first episode and and i think you know we had kind of heard rumors about certain things you know coming or maybe you you did I had heard rumors, and I don't look for rumors. I I actually don't like to hear rumors, but I had just seen these headlines kind of pop up, and um, I don't even remember the name of the actor who played Cobb Vanth, but Timothy Elephant. Yes, Elephant. No, it's Elephant, but I call him (laughs) Timothy Elephant. So there had been, you know, news that he was going to be in it. People had talked about him being, you know, him having Mando armor. So like, you know, the pieces all kind of started to fall together as I was watching the episode. I was like, okay, I had heard these rumors, um, but yeah, it was cool, and you know, I think it's relevant to talk about on our podcast because the character Cobb Vanth was, you know, initially in the in the books. Yeah, I think it's weird that they picked him of all people, but I have okay. theories on that. Okay, I have a theory, not like a crazy theory or anything, but just it makes sense to me that. You know, when, you know, Favreau and Filoni were making the show, they probably intended that Boba Fett would appear at some point. And I think that there was just kind of like, all right, we want to have Boba Fett show up. And then they're like, oh, there's this story that's already been established that his armor has been found. And so they they work that in. Um, So I think that's the only reason why he got pulled into the show is so they could work in, you know, where the armor's at and still keep it. Yeah, but the story is different. It's it's like, a little different, but it's, it's not, mostly I mean, the It's same. not drastically different, but it is different from how it is in Aftermath. I did see people talking about that. Yeah, but it's just minor details are different. The overall idea of it is very similar. Yeah. I mean, I think it's cool. And the one thing that I do like about that is that it shows promise of them possibly pulling in more things from the books, from the canon novels, or paying more attention to those stories, which makes me excited. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, it was funny when he first showed up in the armor, uh, just because he looks, you know, he doesn't have the full getup that a typical Mandalorian would have, you know. So the helmet's kind of sitting a little high. You can see his exposed neck, you know, things like oh, that. Oh, it just, doesn't fit him at all. They look like a bad cosplay. 
<laughs> I think that's kind of the point too, though. Yeah, like, yeah. It I... was definitely the point. So one thing I did like about this episode, though, is that I had just recently reread Myths and Fables. Mm. And uh, I'll get to tell you guys about why soon, hopefully. Uh, but yeah, I reread myths and fables and one of the, or like the first story in that book is about a crate dragon terrorizing Tuscan Raiders and a wizard of sorts, Obi-Wan Kenobi, uh, coming to help that village and teaching them a few very important lessons. And I was like, okay, so did they just come and like rip out this story from this book and be like, hey, that sounds good? I mean, I think like when you're on Tatooine, one of the iconic things there is the crate dragons, and they haven't really shown them in live action before, other than just like a skeleton. So I think it was too too much of an opportunity that they weren't going to pass it up, even if it's been done elsewhere, you know, in books and stuff. Like I remember when I read Kenobi, the Kenobi novel that's no longer yep. canon by John Jackson Miller, there's a big, you know, scene yeah. where Obi-Wan fights against the Krayt dragon. So, and I think like even the way it was portrayed in Mandalorian is a def definitely a different interpretation than we've gotten oh. previously. Yeah. But it I mean it works. I mean, I, I think, you know, anything on film like TV and movies is always going to kind of trump what comes in the literature. So you I'm, said that word. I'm okay with them. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But I meant it in a different way. Oh. <laughs> uh, yes. Now, okay, back to our Lord of the Rings references. Okay? Yeah. So when the crate Dragon, because the whole time I'm like, get out of the sand and fly, dragon, fly. <laughs> uh, so when he comes out of, like, the mountain, like this volcanic thing, I was like, smog. <laughs> sorry that's a hobbit reference i mean star wars you know it's this kind of sci-fi fantasy thing so it's gonna have fantasy elements it makes sense no, it's dave for filoni to be... it's dave dave's obsessed with lord of the rings so it makes sense but i just keep trying to find all the lord of the rings harry potter well i should harry potter what i meant was lord of the rings hobbit mm. and i should say dave is more obsessed with tolkien and the world of tolkien than just lord of the rings but uh yeah, I definitely got smog vibes. Yeah. So, you know. So anyway, I like the first episode a lot. Right, and we're kind of like you know the big reveal at the end, you know, quote unquote what? reveal, is that I don't know what you're talking about. You know, we assume that that's supposed to be based on the actor that we saw supposed to be Boba Fett. So that. I mean, oh my God! Can you quit with the assume? It well, you, obviously is. There's just too many context clues of Boba Fett's armor, and he's on Tatooine. This is ridiculous. Okay, it's I not fives. It's I not agree. fives. I agree. Like ninety nine point nine percent that it's him. But I, I'm like invested in them bringing him back. You know, it's, post then be invested. It's Boba Fett, dude. I know. I'm invested. I get. But the problem is when I get invested in the ideas that I like, and then they. They flip, they, you know, pull a it's fast not, one on me. Who then I'm, else would it be? It's not Jango. It doesn't matter. Jango Fett got his head chopped off. Yeah, but and I'm they're just, not going to go back to the Clone Wars in this. They're not going to bring back some clone. I agree with you. I agree with you. All I'm saying is because there's that tiny percent possibility that it's not him, I'm not going to get my hopes up until they can 100% confirm that it's him. And so, oh my and, God. So I, I'm just, I don't know, I've been burned before, so I'm just not getting my hopes up. Because I really want him to come back. I, When he died in Return of the Jedi, and then obviously Le like Legends did its thing and said, oh, he actually survived, and he became this major character post-Return of the Jedi. And so far in the new canon, that, you know, the last we know of him is he died. And so, like, and, and people that love to hate Boba Fett love the fact that he died and that he didn't get resurrected. So finally I waited this long into the new canon and finally we get him to be resurrected and I makes me Okay, happy. but here's my thing. Here's my thing though, okay? I would like for him to come back too. Probably just as much as you. Mm. However, however, he needs to come serve his purpose, which needs to be short 
like maybe another episode or maybe another two episodes max, and then he needs to go. Why? Because this is not his story. This oh. is about the Mandalorian. This isn't his story. Like, if they're introducing him that he's returned, that's great. And I hope that they're doing either some sort of spinoff or like a like a movie or something. And that, I think that's awesome because you know I love Boba Fett and I love Mandalorians. But I do not want him to end up taking over this story at all. Oh, I agree with that. I thought you meant like he has to die. No, no, no okay. it's not like he needs to come do what he's supposed to do in this story and move on in the galaxy. Oh, and... I yeah, I think uh, you're completely right. This isn't his his show. You know, this is a show about the Mandalorian and Baby Yoda basically. So, you know, focus on those characters. It it's cool that he's making an appearance. Who knows how much screen time he'll get. Um, but it's just it's kind of been a dream of mine. You know, and, and not only the fact that they brought Boba Fett back, but the fact that they cast Tamira Morrison to play him. That's always been kind of like my one of my top Star Wars things. It's like they should they should bring Boba Fett back and they should have him played by Tamora Morrison. You're and so funny. So I'm like, it does, I don't get these things too often. It, it doesn't happen too it. often to me. No, like, it doesn't. I that I get what I want. Really so fu- it's really funny. Okay, so I can no longer call him Baby Yoda because I just have to call him the egg child eater the ba- because the baby murderer the baby murderer my god okay look he's been cute this whole time i will say in episode two i was like ew i don't know if i like you anymore it, they so my he opinion ate, on this he ate weird egg babies he ate <laughs> baby frog eggs he bit and he kept eating them like they were freaking chocolate <laughs> and I'm like, that, those are her last spawn. You're eating her chance at life. And he didn't care. I'm glad it disturbed you as much as it disturbed me. I it know some people. It bothered me a lot. Like, it's kind of been one of those things. Some people are taking it really seriously. And then other people are just kind of jokingly upset about it. I'm kind of more jokingly upset about it. It did disturb me because I'm like, oh my God, he's eating these, like, you know, potential li- life, you know, like these living creatures that. He's murdering, and they're making a joke out of it. Um, so yeah, it disturbed me. But I mean, I get it. I get the. I get that it's just kind of a joke. So. I mean, I I get that he's hungry, but like, come on. I mean, okay, I did see one thing that I thought was funny is that, you know, the Mandalorian takes the eggs away from him. He can't eat them anymore, and he basically gives him like a lunchable. Yeah, he gives him a little lunchbox thing. <laughs> and he's like, ew. Yeah, it, I think it was funny, like, the first time he did it. Yeah, but he didn't have to keep eating them. Yeah, I think the fact that they kept having him do it throughout the whole... They overdid the joke a bit. It was a, yeah. it was gross, and it, yeah. it was disturbing. And, like, I'm not taking it in a really, really serious way, but I just did not... I didn't like it. However, I will say I loved getting to see him walk and travel <laughs> instead of just being carried. I liked that he had a lot more, you know, he wasn't just a puppet sitting in a bag or in the pram. Like he was actually kind of like moving around and stuff. And I really did like that. I'm not a fan of these stupid spiders. I'm not a fan of the storytelling in the second episode. I was like, what is the point? Why, why, why are we even doing this? It just felt like a waste of waste of story time. Um, Yeah. I I wasn't a huge fan overall of the episode i i like the like the x-wing showing up was kind of cool just because i like x-wings and stuff but yeah i mean there were some really really cool elements but overall it was like why yeah it it was definitely wasn't my favorite i the 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 idea of him looking i don't he definitely looked more like a puppet to me this time like i think because they were trying to get him to move around more like some some scenes it just felt really obvious you know where and before, because he didn't really move around that much, it was kind of you could kind of suspend your disbelief. But now it's kind of like you just have to just be like, okay, it's a puppet. They're just like you know, original Yoda was a puppet. You just kind of have to get over it. I don't know that it wasn't like that for me, but I think I watch a lot of Sesame Street and Muppets. <laughs> you, so you've accepted puppets as living creatures. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. If we grew up on Star Wars and Sesame Street. You're right. Yeah. So I mean, Elmo's clearly real. Okay. <laughs> clearly. <laughs> clearly. 
I mean, you can tickle him, so he's clearly real. <laughs> okay, so overall, I'm liking the direction the Mandalorian's going. I have no desire to watch episode two ever again in my life. Or chapter ten, I guess is what it's called. Uh, I'm good. I saw it once. That's enough. And I will move on. Yeah, Any it's a great show. thoughts on The Mandalorian? Yeah, it's a great show. I'm excited for the season and kind of all the stuff that is coming, either things we already know or things we don't know, and just the idea of Boba Fett possibly being in it. Oh, my God, um, stop. I th- I'm excited. So just – I thought this last episode was a little off, but it definitely wasn't that – it wasn't, like, bad. It just wasn't my preferred. Yeah. No, we're not fans of the Shield Bob episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, there is some stuff that's really, really cool going on. I think it's today, right? As of the 10th, that from a certain point of view, Empire Strikes Back came out. This thing is not small. It is huge. I It's bigger than the A New Hope from a certain point of view. It's, it's like, it's fat. It is fat. It's definitely super fat. It's definitely fat. Um, I, I have a copy in my hand. So yeah, yeah it's, me too. it's a hefty book. But it is hefty, but I haven't had a chance to crack it open yet. Actually, I haven't even I haven't even read one story. So I haven't either. I'm excited too, though. I was getting ready for what we're doing today. I was staying focused. And we're definitely going to be reviewing this. Although I don't think we're going to kind of do. We're not going to review every single, like all four. Yeah, we'll stories. review it like we we'll review it like we reviewed uh, the A New Hope one, where we each picked like our like you know five top favorite, your five yeah. favorites or whatever it is, and we'll go we'll do it that way. Yeah, that'll probably uh, be December's episode, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And another book came out that I have cracked open and have started looking at. It is written by our good friend Amy Ratcliffe. It's The Jedi Mind. It's a book all about mindfulness and incorporating that with Star Wars and stuff. And it's it's cool and i like the artwork a lot and so this is a small book but totally worth picking up i think it's really really awesome and i'm excited about it yeah yeah me too and before we move on completely from from a certain point of view delray actually announced today that they're going to do a limited run podcast huh that's going to do interviews with the different authors uh huh, okay so so that's coming so they're up. They're taking away what we like to do. That's cool, Delray. That's cool. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We love you. Well, we'll listen. <laughs> they have better access to the authors than we do. I think so. You know what? We'll give it to them. But, no. But yeah, I think it's going to be short. So they're not going to be super long episodes, from what I saw. I think it's going to be like kind of short interviews. Uh, but it's going to be like a limited run podcast. They're calling it a podcast um, that they're going to do specifically with these authors. So that'll be kind of cool to get some insight into a little bit more detail around you know the writer's insights into the individual stories in this book all right why are you ready for this yeah let's do it thrawn another thrawn book who knew another thrawn who would have thought new canon giving us so many thrawn books so much thrawn all right we are going to be covering thrawn ascendancy chaos rising on this episode if you haven't read it now is a great time for you to go ahead and tune out and then come back and check out our review or if you haven't read it and you don't plan on reading it stick around <laughs> publisher is del rey author is timothy zahn and it was released on september 1st of 2020 and the publisher summary is discover thrawn's origins within the chiss ascendancy in the first book in an epic new star wars trilogy from best-selling author timothy zahn Beyond the edge of the galaxy lie the unknown regions, chaotic, uncharted, and near impassable, possessing hidden secrets and dangers in equal measure. And nestled within their swirling chaos is the Ascendancy, home to the enigmatic Chiss and the nine ruling families that lead them. The peace of the Ascendancy, a beacon of calm and stability, is shattered after a daring attack on the Chiss capital that reveals no trace of the enemy. Baffled, the Ascendancy dispatches one of its brightest young military officers to root out the unseen assailants. Assailants? I can speak. A recruit born of no title, but adopted into the powerful family of the myth and given the name Thrawn. 
With the might of the expansionary fleet at his back and aided by his comrade, Admiral Aralani, Thrawn begins to piece together the answers he's looking for. But as Thrawn's first command probes deeper into the vast stretch of space, his people call the chaos. He realizes that the mission he has been given is not what it seems. And the threat to the ascendancy is only just the beginning. Dun, dun, dun! (laughs) Yeah, so this book has a very helpful page (laughs) at the very front, which I think... I don't know, like, that all books need to do this, but it would be kind of cool if the Delray books started doing kind of this... this Again, please. ...dramatis personae. I like that they, not only do they list out some of the main characters, but they also include kind of a list of the nine ruling families, the different family ranks, the political hierarchy. It's all very helpful information because there's a lot of that going on in this book. Oh, my gosh. This whole book is about the ruling families and the politics which don't get me wrong i love a good politic okay <laughs> uh but it, i don't know i will say that i appreciate the politics and the the chiss ascendancy like line and family ranks and all that i appreciate the the world building aspect of that but I got over it really quick. Yeah, and I I have some thoughts on that, but I know we always kind of start out with talking about the audiobook. Yes, and we do. I know you did the audiobook. Actually, this one I did a lot of the audiobook just out of necessity. I had to like kind of consume this while I was doing yard work. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so I I uh, I did a lot of audiobook on this one, which is not my preferred way of doing it. But this was Mark Thompson this time. So, uh, which he does an amazing Thrawn. He does. His Thrawn is great. I actually also really liked his Cheery and his Thalius. Did you? And I do. I okay. actually do. And I like Admiral Aralani, but that's because we've only ever heard him do Admiral Aralani because he obviously he did the other Thrawn books as well. So her voice is very much his voice to me. Uh, the voice that he chooses. Now, there is a voice in here, and I think it's of Smackro, the character of Smackro. And at times, it sounds like Jack Nicholson's The Joker from the <laughs> 1989 Batman. <laughs> yeah. It, he says some stuff sometimes, and I'm like, huh? You can definitely <laughs> tell. So one thing about Mark Thompson is he likes to do very distinct voices. Mm-hmm. for every character so it's not some books you'll listen to and they kind of they'll change the tone a little bit but they kind of use their natural voice for the most part he really gets into the characters and goes like all in on the accents mm-hmm. and so it so for some of the characters like you were saying you could kind of recognize something he's trying to imitate and i i feel that way with him in a lot of his books is he's he's trying to put on a voice but he's using some influence you know from an actor or something that you start to recognize these kind of these tones but i don't know i, I thought think a lot of people do that though that read audiobooks i think that's pretty normal i prefer the audiobook um you know kind of narrators who don't do so much with the different voices and accents uh i kind of like it when they just kind of stick to their mostly their natural voice and then just kind of add a little bit of inflection he goes kind of all in on it which is can be distracting um and i think it's funny because like you're talking about the chiss and you know you have thrawn who sounds the way thrawn does but then you have all these other random accents like there's one guy kind of sound australian you know and then arlani sounds like european you know like eastern european um I don't know. It just it was kind of all over the map with like I didn't understand why all the different chis had such different accents. I I think you're I, I don't know. Um uh, <laughs> You think I don't I'm crazy? In, I, yeah, kind of. I don't read into it that much. I think he just gets a you know, he gets a feel for the character. He gets inspired by obviously something that he's experienced and he creates the voice for them. And I don't think that just because you're all from the same race you have to sound the same or similar you know that just doesn't make sense to me so it doesn't bother me at all 
but I will say that there was a little bit of 1989 Joker in this book because I saw, I heard it, I heard it. <laughs> and I, I have a hard time. I think this is why I don't like audiobooks. I think you and I are so different. And like you actually enjoy what he does with the different voices and everything. It really takes me out of it. And I don't oh, yeah. like it doesn't take me out of it. And I think I think part of it is because, you know, I got really used to Stephen Fry and Jim Dale doing a bunch of voices for the Harry Potter books. And so it doesn't it doesn't bother me. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I, I yeah, I can see what you're saying. But I think just for me, personal taste, I guess com it comes down to and when I have. You know, Mark Mark Thompson is trying to do the voice of like an eight year old child, and it's just like, ugh, I just want to read it. I don't want to um, hear. I'm sorry, but Cherry is ten. However old she was, Cherry. She's Cherry, ten. But yeah, she that voice was really grating on me too. So. Oh, I liked yeah. it. She was so shy. <laughs> she just wanted graph markers, so she could draw. Yeah. But... Look, look, there were characters I didn't like. I really liked Thalius and Cherry, okay? I did. I like... Okay, hold on. All right, I like the Navigators, which... Because I just can't... They call them Skywalkers with a space in the middle. I'm like, dude, do you have a plethora of words to choose from in the English language, and you have to choose Skywalker... Really? Yeah, I, I mean, know. that's Zahn doing his I, thing. and I know, but I had a huge issue with it. I just, I did not like it at all. It was one of the biggest, like, things that stood out that just made me go, ugh, you know? And then, yeah. of course, there's a whole conversation because they, in this book, it kind of overlaps with, what did you say? It was Thrawn Alliances. Alliances, yeah. And with Anakin Skywalker and there's this whole like conversation about oh his name's Skywalker duh, duh, duh. and I was like oh my god <laughs> I'm sure some people like it they think that's kind of a cool connection I, I kind of rolled my eyes at it the fact that they're calling them Skywalkers yeah uh, I disliked it yeah it just kind of like okay whatever it just it's a little cheesy but not my biggest it, gripe for this book for me I don't know if cheesy is the right word of more of just dumb well some of the stuff that like and I, I mean there's good things i'm not going to just completely trash this book um i just think in general just like laying the groundwork i'm just not a big fan of of the thrawn novels so like pretty much any one of these that we review i'm probably gonna have a lot of <laughs> criticisms but i think um some of the things that kind of bothered me about this is it seemed there were some tr like very tropey things that he was using you know the idea of these like nine families you know it just seemed it's something that's been done a lot you know with like mandalorians kind of have the different houses and then in other you know fiction obviously game of thrones Harry Potter. You, know, you can name any number of you know fantasy slash sci-fi things where they utilize that kind of yeah thing, like you know. and harry potter has that too because there's the the original magical families right and so, like, and that doesn't, I mean, I kind of like that type of storytelling, but probably more on the, you know, kind of, I don't know, like medieval fantasy type, not necessarily the sci-fi. No, I get it. It just feels like it's been overdone, I guess, is my point, because it's not something I dislike in storytelling. It just feels like, oh, here we go again, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. No, I get it. And I, I feel the same in the sense that I just got really tired of it. I got tired of a of this family, that family, you know, and then all the different levels, married, adoptive, trial born, ranking <laughs> distant. I'm like, who cares? <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't know. I I like politics, but I like a good Republic Senate kind of politics. And the fact that Not they introduced family stuff. They introduced the idea that he that Thrawn isn't actually a myth, but he was like adopted into the myth, which is another kind of overdone trope. Oh, I know. Um, and I know some of this stuff has was pulled from legend. So I, for the big legends fans of like the Chiss and Thrawn, you know, they did pull in a lot of elements from that. So it's not like some of these ideas aren't original to to canon, but it you know it's always been something that Timothy Zahn has used for the Chiss. So I know I know these aren't new ideas necessarily, but 
I was just kind of like, eh, like I, some of that stuff I was just like, not that impressed with, I guess. Yeah, it doesn't blow my skirt up. But, <laughs> so. <laughs> uh, well, sorry. So, can I ask you a question, though? Yeah. Because Thrawn thinks, Thrawn starts talking about his family and starts talking about how he had a sister and, mm-hmm. you know, his sister was taken away and blah, 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 blah. Do you think Thalius is his sister? Because I do. Hmm. I never thought of that. She doesn't remember I mean... anything. He knows she was taken away. He thinks that she became a Skywalker, if you will. And so I'm like, I think it's Thales. Hmm. I guess. I mean, that's the only thing I'm trying to remind myself is that this is the first book of a trilogy. So they're no. si- they're laying kind of the groundwork. They're introducing characters that are probably going to matter more later down the road. Some of this, even some of the kind of the f- politics and the kind of the hierarchy of this world is being kind of set up and they probably won't focus on it as much in the next couple of books. So you kind of have to keep that in mind and not be too critical. But I guess I didn't think about that as being something they're setting up. Um, so that's... I just don't get why they would bring it up and have him talk about it. And then, yeah, yeah. and then she has an entire conversation with one of the higher ups in the myth family and he's threatening her family over his head, over her head, which she doesn't remember her family. And I'm like, hmm. You know, no, that's, I mean, if that ends up being what it is, then good on you. Good catch. Cause I didn't, maybe everybody caught it except for me, but I didn't even think about that. Yeah. So, I mean, okay. So for me, like you said, you're not really a big Thrawn fan. I really like Thrawn as a character. And there's some of the characters in this book that I really like as well. I think when it comes down to it, I'm just not a big fan of Timothy Zahn's writing. I like a story that has more description to it. You know, he sort of glosses over things. I and With the way that he writes, I have a really hard time envisioning the world. Because the the descriptions are there, but on a very base level of, okay, well, I need to throw in something here to just kind of help the reader. But it's it doesn't really like you know how in some books when you're reading them the world just kind of explodes inside your mind like you can see the colors you can see the environment you can hear and sort of feel the world that's not like this i don't i i can't get in there the way i would want to get in there but it's because it's not provided now then there's other writers who spend 50 pages describing a tree <laughs> You know, so there's like a good happy medium in there somewhere. But I just, and I don't think I like the way that he sort of develops characters. And like you said, it, it there are a lot of like really tropey things that happen. And maybe this is just coming from somebody, like I haven't read the original Thrawn novels still, you know, to, because they keep coming out with new ones. You know, so I haven't read the original Thrawn novels and you know i guess i do need to read those eventually but i just don't know i don't know Aaron. i like it's very different now uh the way that thrawn because in the original novels he was just the bad guy yeah and the main characters were you know han luke and leia and you know kind of the, the the good the good guy characters were the main characters and then he was just the villain and he played very much a villain role so now Timothy Zahn's new canon version of Thrawn. Humanized him? He's your is, sympathetic towards him? Yeah, he's just different. And it's a different version of that character. At least that's what I say. I know people would argue with me and say, no, it's not different. But in my mind, he is very different. Um, and I'm not as interested in him as this type of a character as I was a, as a straight-up villain. I liked him better as a straight-up villain. I can honestly say that I don't know if I'd be as big of a Thrawn fan if they hadn't put him in Rebels. Because I really liked him in Rebels as a character and like kind of got attached to that character because I just thought he was so cool. Mm-hmm. And then having him in the books is kind of, has been kind of cool because he was a character that I liked. So for that reason, I do really like Thrawn. And I like when the book is like centered and focused on Thrawn. But when we go off on all these tangents and talking to all these other you know people or whoever, I'm like, ah, la, la. yeah it had a hard time keeping my interest some of that's just down to personal preference and like the type of stories i like there's Mm -hmm. not the things that i tend to like out of star wars there wasn't a lot of that in in this book at all 
What? There was no lightsaber fighting? So, yeah. I mean, even though, I mean, the force is involved, but it's just like how to get your ships around. Like, that's not that exciting to me. <laughs> um, so, so. I also, there was a character that was a navigator character, and he kept talking about his, his cheek flaps yeah, or yeah. his whatever. Cheek and I'm flaps, like, I think is right. Yeah. I was like, no one needs to know about his cheek flaps. <laughs> he had a funny voice, too. Yeah, he um, had a weird voice, and he was always like, his cheek flaps began to to you know to waver, and like I'm like I I don't care about his flaps. I think they introduced um some new species. I I do think that some of these species were pulled from legends, although I don't know that they've ever been you know pictured. Uh, but I think and that's another issue I have. Yeah, so we weren't that so. Maybe the biggest issue for me, and this is one of the things that people, because I've already kind of talked to people that liked this book, and they, they're they like, how did you not like it? Um, because they love the idea that, you know, Zahn is going into this other world. You know, he's kind of stepping outside of the normal Star Wars galaxy, and he has all this freedom to create this Chiss world with no rules, you know, no borders. You can just do whatever you want. You don't have to worry about if you're stepping on the toes of other stuff because it's your own little world over here. And that's what some people love about this. But for me, it's what I don't like about it because it's so unfamiliar. There's not familiar alien species. There's no familiar characters. You know, the only familiar characters really are Thrawn and Arlani. And the only reason they're familiar is because I've read other books about them, but they're not from yeah. any major stuff. No, and I'd agree, actually. I would agree with that. And it, what's funny about this book is that for about the first half, I was really like, oh, this is good. I like really like this. You know, I'm I'm really enjoying, you know, like the beginnings of Thrawn and all this stuff. And then you get into like the second half and it just completely bottomed out. It was like going down, you know, the biggest drop on Expedition Everest. It was like, boom, <laughs> you know, and I, I know. And I was just like, I and then it was really hard to finish. I plowed through the first half of it, no problem. And the second half was just so much harder. And I don't know what it what it is specifically, but it's kind of like you said, I think it's a personal preference thing. I think it's the lack of relative or relatableness, you know, and like the whole, when I can't picture species and stuff, it does make it hard for me, especially when the writer isn't giving you any context to picture it in your head, you know? Because yeah. the the character with the cheek flaps or whatever, I was like, okay, so you're like part fish, and uh, I don't, you look like the mermaids from Harry Potter. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I was, <laughs> yeah, I would have loved to have some visual, you know, guide, something that I could look at and see what some of these aliens look like because it was kind of hard to picture them, um, and. In the way that, you know, kind of a Thrawn story, a lot of it is, you know, he's trying to figure out something, you know. And so there's little hints here and there, and he's trying to figure it out. And there's a lot of talking about kind of battle plans and, you know, how he defeated them because he had this set up over here and he tricked them into going over here. And it's just kind of like, for me, I don't, I just don't care about that kind of stuff. Like, <laughs> I like a much more straightforward, like, oh, they fought. This ship blew up. This person died. You know, let's move on with the story. But all the intricacies of how the battles were set up or why he's so intelligent because oh, he out, outsmarted people. Yeah, it's just I agree. not not my thing. So, and that's what a Thrawn book is gonna be. So mm -hmm. I already kind of know what I'm getting into when I pick the book up. Um, and you know, I did like. It's not that I have never liked a Thrawn book. Like some of the other ones, I liked more than this. And I know this one, giving it the benefit of the doubt. It is the first book in a trilogy, so it is probably setting a lot up. So maybe, you know, kind of as the next book comes out and I'm more familiar with the characters and I'm more familiar with the world, I might be more excited about it. But if this was a standalone book, it's definitely, it would fall pretty low on my Star Wars books ranking. Yeah, I really liked the first Thrawn book and then the third one. I like that one. Um... Oh this yeah, because that's they brought back uh, Eli. Oh, I know, and I was just about to say that. 
Like, Even that, like, I missed him. That, I know, me too. Yeah. Like, one of the things that made that first trilogy is Eli Vanto. He was just an awesome character. And, you know, I honestly, I would prefer an Eli Vanto book or trilogy over a Thrawn prequel trilogy. Like, I would prefer a trilogy of Eli in the Chiss Ascendancy, you know? And, right. like, all the stuff that he was doing. Like, that, to me, is way more interesting. And this is the first one yeah. that didn't have kind of, you know, because in the other ones he was either already, he was in the Empire or he's, you know, he's working with Anakin or Vader. Like there was all these familiar elements in the other ones. Yep. And this is kind of the first one that they've they've really like, all right, we're going to take Thrawn completely out of the world you know and we're going to put him in his home world where you really don't know anybody. Um, so, I mean, you got to set the groundwork for, yeah, for that type that's, of world. I mean, that's true. And I, I am interested to see where it goes. And I would imagine that by the end of this trilogy, we're going to know why he's on whatever planet that is at the beginning of the first Thrawn trilogy we got. You know what I mean? And like excommunicated or whatever it is. Right. They're, they're going to, yeah, we'll get some explanation as to what leads to that and all of that. Um, and they did like a nice little twist at the end. You know, he defeats this Yiv, the benevolent dude. And, you know, and all along you kind of, you're kind of thinking that guy's not really the big bad anyways. Because mm-hmm. he better not be, because he's pretty lame. Um, yeah, he sucks. <laughs> and so we find out at the end there's this other person that's kind of pulling the strings that's even even worse than him. Um, so that's, that's kind of a nice reveal, although I think um, Aftermath did it first, but. Yeah, he was talking to the fish mermaid man. So yeah, so that, so I'm curious, you know, it, it hooked me enough at the end that you know, I'm curious to find out more. Um, but kind of overall, it was a, a bit of a lackluster book for me, which I know I'm probably in the minority for all the Thrawn fans out there groaning at me right now. Oh, they're probably groaning at both of us, honestly. I know I we mean... should just have like a, a person on. Anytime we do a Thrawn review, we should bring somebody on that is a big Thrawn fan just so they can balance us out. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, the thing is, is like, I don't know. There are things that I gush over that we really like and things like that. And then there's things that we don't. And I think that's the nice thing about all the podcasts that are out there. And there's a lot more podcasts out there covering books now. So, you know, if you don't necessarily agree with us, there might be another one out there, you know, that has a viewpoint that you do like. But I think that it's important just to kind of when it comes to books to just sort of understand where people are coming from. And that is what one of the beauties of books is, right? Like you don't have to, you like every book that star Wars comes out with, you know, and there's so many of them, there's tons of stuff to choose from. So, you know, I mean, we read them all cause we do this, <laughs> but I would say, honestly, if I, if we weren't doing this, I don't know if I would pick up the Thrawn books. I would probably, I'd be picking up other ones over that, you know? Yeah, it's one of the nice things about doing a podcast. It kind of forces you to keep up with the books because I think the same thing would happen to me. There, I would pick and choose really which ones I would read, and I'd probably miss some good ones um, because of that. So, I mean, I only do that with the Alphabet Squadron books right now, <laughs> but they're so hard for me. Yeah, I mean, we have yeah. I mean, the the High Republic stuff's coming up. Oh, I'm excited! Early for that. next year, where we'll we'll probably have like three reviews in a row that are all High Republic. So, I'm super excited about that. Um, we did get some comments from listeners on oh, this yeah. book. Um, I don't know if we have time to read yeah, a few. Yeah, we do. Okay. Sure. So we got Facebook and Twitter. I don't know if you oh, want to cool. if you want to jump over to the uh, the Facebook group and read those, right. and maybe I can grab the Twitter ones. All right, so I am going to read. I'm going to go from the bottom up. Okay, so Max Dayton, he said, I've only read half the book, so I've really enjoyed seeing Thrawn interact with a cast of Chiss characters, seeing the political and social dynamics of the Chiss ascendancy, as well as understanding more of the landscape of the Outer Rim has been really cool. It really contextualizes the ominous warning that Thrawn gives the Emperor in the first Thrawn book about enemies of the Empire. I also really like seeing Aralani work with Thrawn. It has been really interesting, and it gives more depth to their interactions in Thrawn Treason. Overall, so far, I've enjoyed the book for the most part, and I look forward to finishing it. So thank you, Max. Do you want to read a Twitter one? So this one is from Matt Rushing, fellow Mm -hmm. podcaster. Hello, Matthew. He says, 
one of the best books of the new canon with so much possibility in it for the sequels. So fun to be be in a place in the galaxy that is not as restricted for the author, so there can be some true surprises along the way. So, very good point. And he's one of the ones I was arguing about this book already, so (laughs) (laughs) I knew he was a big fan. All right, Amanda Reynolds. She said, I really enjoyed the deep dive into the Chiss culture and characters around Thrawn in this book. In the beginning, it was a challenge for me to get into it, but once I got into the universe and familiar with the characters and names, I was absorbed into it. I love the Skywalker girl and her caretakers, so Thalius and Cheery. I love what Zahn is doing, creating a mini-verse within Star Wars away from but connected to the main Star Wars saga, like the Mando mini-verse, Clone Wars Rebels mini-verse, High Republic mini-verse, the Star Wars comics miniverse etc i cannot wait to see what is next and i hope zon's miniverse gets further explained in other media for example i would love a star wars political drama set within the chiss ascendancy on disney plus wouldn't you Mm. i don't know amanda i don't know and i'm not (laughs) sure that i would really like that too much to each their own amanda (laughs) love you (laughs) i don't know (laughs) uh so this was from jedi obi-wan on twitter he says, really good. I will say in audio back, audiobook format, I had a little trouble differ- differentiating from the memories in the current uh, timeline. Oh, yes. We need to talk about that. Go ahead. Also, if you have time, it'd be cool to provide a summary of how this book fits into all the other media Thrawn has been in for new canon. I don't think we'll have time to kind of lay that out, but there's well, probably really good of. like Wikipedia pages you can do. Uh, okay. Jonathan... I don't know how to say your last name, so I'm not going to try. So hi, Jonathan. Jonathan K. Jonathan K. He said, for me, it's one of my favorite Star Wars books yet. Zahn is able to bring a practically brand new group of characters on the page and had the freedom to take the story where he wanted to go. The action was fun and serves as a good start to the series. It also felt very much like a Timothy Zahn novel, similar to his novels outside of Star Wars, with a mix of Star Trek and Star Wars themes, and I enjoyed that aspect of it thoroughly. See, this is the thing. Everything that you and I said that we don't necessarily enjoy is what all people enjoy. Yes, and that's good. That is good. That is good. And it seems to be a common theme that people are really enjoying the idea of there being a part of star wars it's not really connected to everything we already know uh people are seeing kind of that world building potential and i get it it's just there's I just think not we're just curmudgeon yeah i mean it's it's <laughs> i've just never gotten that excited about the chiss the chiss have been around you know they've been around for a long time i know they're getting kind of a new life in the new canon but this is a species that you know i've been reading about for quite a while and it's just not one of the species that i ever really got that excited about but let's um, talk really quick about the memories because there is that part of the book. And with the audiobook, I will say I agree uh, that it is a little bit hard to differentiate between the memories and the the current time in the book. But as you were saying, and I did go and check it out, in the actual written novel, they changed the font, which is kind of cool. Yeah, uh, they did. They changed the font so it was much more obvious uh, when there was a transition. Mm-hmm. And even the way the page layout looks different, they actually don't even put a page number on those pages. So there's a very visual transition from when you're kind of in the present of the book and when you're jumping back into the past. And then, of course, they title it always Memories. So that 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 tips you off, too. But Yeah, definitely... I mean, I think that aspect would have been a lot easier in the actual novel versus the audiobook because it did get a little confusing from time to time to be bouncing back and forth in the audiobook. So I think those kind of... Um... Uh, storytelling like tactics are easier done in a actual written novel that you're reading yeah yeah and I'll, I'll do one more twitter comment here because he kind of talks about he says uh this is from uh let's see here inked heretic on twitter he says still working through it a lot of flashbacks and memories make it a little tough to read when not binging through it however so far it is entertaining and enlightening so he had a he had a bit of a tough time with the memories thing too. All right, and then our last one is from Amanda Stapley. She said, "Learning more about the Chiss and even just the other planets out in wild space was one of my favorite parts. We've seen glimpses of some of these characters already, and getting to know them even better now means they are becoming new favorites of mine. And of course, I love seeing how Thrawn ticks and works through his strategies. We also get to see firsthand how much of an anomaly Thrawn is, even amongst his own people." 
He's an outsider, even amongst them, and it's something his character has to struggle with. I would love to see more of the Chiss in live-action media, like Amanda said. <laughs> mm-hmm. I wouldn't mind seeing more of them in live-action media, but I don't necessarily need a show dedicated to them. I will agree with Amanda that I do like seeing how Thrawn works, and I do like the fact that he is such – he just doesn't conform with the rest of his people, and I think that's – something that makes him really unique and it is something that i do like about his character so. right yeah and the the one facebook comment jonathan said something about kind of reminding him of a mix of star trek and star wars mm-hmm. and i was thinking that a lot too when i was reading it I was, at times i felt like i was reading something that felt more like trek than wars mm-hmm. um with all the you know kind of politics and, and all of that yeah so. But yeah, yep. it's good we have the whole spectrum here. Like, I'm like super critical. You're less critical, and then all of our listeners are like really positive about it. So it's like we get the full spectrum of 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 people liking this book or not. Yeah, and I mean, again, I think that's one of the coolest things that we get in Star Wars is just all of the varying opinions. But one of the things I do like a lot about uh, the Star Wars fandom is that yes of course we have you know the toxic side every fandom has that but for the most part i think that there's so much to be liked from star wars that like it doesn't all have to appeal to you you know and but everybody can appreciate the story part of it you know and the storytelling part of it but you may not necessarily love it you know Oh, like, absolutely. Like, a, for instance, I can appreciate the storytelling aspects of Star Wars Resistance. I don't necessarily love the show, but I think there was some really great story there. Right, yeah. There's always... I, I've been able to always find some positive element in almost any Star Wars stuff I consume. Yeah. And even in this book, there was some cool stuff that I liked about it. And I mm-hmm. and I do see potential for, for the next couple books um, that my interest might might rise a bit. But I'm much more interested in, you know, maybe something like High Republic, you know, mm-hmm. where that kind of the elements that are going to be represented there align closer to my personal preferences. Um, but I'm not going to say, you know, if you like Thrawn, great, I'm happy for you. Like if that's if if he's your cup of tea and that's the type of Star Wars you like, that's awesome. It's just not my, you know, preferred type of character. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally agree. So. How many bookworms would you give it? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> I gave it two and a half bookworms. And Baby Yoda ate those bookworms. <laughs> that he did. He did. All righty. Well, if you guys want to get in touch with us in between shows, you can find us on Twitter or we're at SWBookworms. You can also send us an email with your opinions on Thrawn Ascendancy Chaos Rising, StarWarsBookworms at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, uh, where we, we just got a bunch of those comments from us from our Facebook group. So you can check us out over there, facebook.com slash StarWarsBookworms. And you can also search for our group. And we're on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. We're on most of them. Leave us a review. That'd be super. Yes, leave us a review. And you can find Teresa on Instagram and Twitter. Twitter and, and TikTok. Are you still on TikTok? Uh, yeah. Cool. <laughs> At Ice Cold Penguin. <laughs> you can find Aaron on social media at AV Goins. Yes. And I actually have TikTok now. He does. He does. So until next time. Keep on reading and may the force be with you. Dun, 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 dun.